This is the Alchemy of Art podcast, episode 83, the alchemy of symbols and flowers for the Ukraine. Our quote of the day is from Theodor Rothke, deep in their roots, all flowers keep the light. Hello, everyone. The purpose of this podcast is to explore creative ways to transform our lives. Alchemy was the ancient study of changing materials from one thing into another, and we all do this every day. Whether you're a painter, a sculptor, a baker, or a gardener, every choice you make is transforming our world. On this podcast, we explore ways to change both our physical and spiritual selves for the better. On this podcast, we hunt for the wise balance between accepting what is and taking empowered action. I'm an artist. I sign my paintings with the name Vita. I teach online creativity classes and have written a few books, including The Alchemy of Painting, Developing Your Style and Purpose, and my new book that was recorded for Audible, Start Selling Your Art, a guide for starting a professional art business. When this podcast first started, it was to share just stories about artists that morphed into artist interviews, and now we've expanded our topic of discussion to, to include ways everyone can harness their creative energy. Announcements. Here at the studio, Studio Alchemy in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, I've started doing more and more in-person classes. Hooray! Yay! <laughs> it's so wonderful to have the gang back together again and to really be able to see the progress that my students are making one-on-one. -on -one. Because, you know, during COVID time, I did some online classes and they were fun to put together. They really were. Um, but, you know, I didn't get to see the students working through the process. I didn't get to see their completed things. I got a few people send me images, but you know, I have no way of knowing whether the folks who signed up for those classes actually did the work or not. When we're in person, we we really grow together. And it's, it's just so wonderful to be back in the classroom again, for real. Um, I've been, I added a bunch of workshops <laughs> for the end of the spring recently. And so I'm looking forward to teaching all of those classes here in this space. Um, I'm currently working on a book, a new book, that is about symbols. And I'm gonna talk to you today about some of the basic concepts that begin the book. What is a symbol? Uh, why are they important? How can we use them? But first, I wanna talk about something that's happened recently that I just find to be absolutely fascinating. Um, you, in the Ukraine, they have a national flower. You know, most countries have a national flower, and it is the sunflower. And over the past couple of weeks since Russia invaded Ukraine, people around the world have been using the sunflower as a symbol to show their uh, support for the native Ukrainian people who are facing such horrific opposition at the moment. And it's just wonderful to see. It reminds me of a photograph from the Vietnam War 
1967, there was a photographer who created a, an image um, from a, a Vietnam War protest. And what he captured was a protester taking flowers and putting them in the gun barrels of the soldiers who were standing and pointing their guns at these peaceful protesters um, in the United States. And he called the photograph Flower Power. And, and I just love it because that image became iconic for the Vietnam War era, the hippie era, if you will. And Flower Power became a, a, a phrase that was used a lot. And what does that mean? The symbol of the flower, the flower is new growth. It's open, it's beautiful, it's soft. And to use it as a symbol for peace against opposition, I just think is is beautiful, it's poignant, and, um, and I love seeing right now all the images of people who are, the, uh, fellow painters who are making uh, sunflower paintings and people who are wearing flower crowns because in the Ukraine region and, and, and Poland and some of the other countries that are close, but they do these traditional headdresses, the women do, where it's a, it's a headband with um, flowers in it. And some of them are very ornate going straight up into the sky like a peacock. Um, beautiful art form, but people have been wearing flower crowns also to show support for Ukraine. Incidentally, you know, the sunflower is the national symbol for Ukraine, but the sunflower is actually a Native American plant. And it was brought to Ukrainian region um, a couple hundred years ago and became very, very popular. And then they adopted it as their own flower to represent themselves. And, um, and I think that there's something interesting about that too, because a plant, the plants travel the world. Um, you know, pe people can get really big on, you know, oh, we only want native plants. Um, but when a plant has been somewhere for a certain amount of time, it, it becomes part of that place. And um, I'm not saying, you know, plant uh, English ivy in your garden because that's, a <laughs> it'll take over and that's not so good. But at any rate, um, this symbol of the flower being used in peaceful protest um, to support people of the Ukraine at this exact moment in time, as I record this, is March 8th, uh, 2022. And I do believe that the pen is mightier than the sword, that when people get behind symbols like this, it can really be powerful in a way that guns can never be because it's what we all ultimately want. We ultimately, deep down, want peace. We want softness. We want to live. It's in our basic human instinct to live. And the bad guys might win for a moment, but not for long. That's my hope and my prediction. Another example of a symbol being used in peaceful protest happened in 1930 when in India, Mahatma Gandhi wanted to protest the
the British rule over India. They wanted to get the the British out of the region and um, to stop oppressing them. And there are so many different issues that were at play. But what he decided was to focus on salt. So salt at the time um, was taxed heavily, and it was made illegal for anyone to produce their own salt. And the people of India felt this was really unfair. And to make a point of how unfair it was, in demonstration, Gandhi marched from his home 240 miles to the sea. And when they got to the sea, they made salt from the salt water. And it, in doing so, Gandhi latched onto a symbol that represented the whole of British oppression um, in the small. So it's like within this small thing, you have the whole big picture. And by focusing on it, he's able to communicate with people better about the oppression. They can, they can use it as a tool to unite people and clearly show where they want their support. Our quote of the day said, deep in their roots, all flowers keep the light. And I love going back to the image of the flowers for Ukraine. Flowers keep to the light. They are part of life itself. They are pushing up and they're pure and golden and unselfish and we all want to be that ultimately I think we want to strive toward the light I've been thinking a lot just as a little side note about choosing peace at every moment both in my actions and in my thoughts you know it's really easy to say well I don't take up guns and I'm not you know a fighter um, yes, but there are other ways in which sometimes I might become combative by getting angry in my mind, at, you know, when I have to drive a car and then someone cuts me off or, you know, there, there's all these ways in which we can get angry, but if we want peace, we have to be peaceful in our minds and it comes with every single choice that we are making. All right, so now on to some of the basic concepts that I start the book with about symbols. In ancient Greece, clay tablets were used to document legal contracts. When the duties agreed upon in the contract were finished, the clay tablet was thrown to the ground to smash it into pieces. The people who'd been obligated to the contract were then given a broken piece from the contract as a souvenir. The clay contract was a symbol representing the agreement that had been made between the two parties. This is the origin of the word symbol. It comes from a Greek word, symbolon, which meant throne token. Could you imagine how joyous it would have felt to pay off a debt 
and then have the contract that represented that debt be smashed to pieces. All symbols, like the Greek clay tablets, are images that stand for something else, but also create an emotional response from the viewer. And I define symbols as this. A symbol is an image that represents another object or relationship. I divide symbols into three main categories. Those categories are individual symbols, cultural symbols, and universal symbols. The first type, universal symbols, is something that is important to someone because of their specific life experiences. So for example, when I was a kid, my grandfather loved ice cream. He would take every opportunity to have ice cream with me as a special treat. When he had grown up as a very poor farmer in Kentucky, ice cream was a once in a year luxury. So he loved ice cream and I have this wonderful, happy feeling about ice cream as a personal symbol because I connect it to my grandfather and I connect it to those good, happy memories. Someone else might see the symbol of ice cream and have a negative internal reaction because maybe their parents shamed them for wanting to eat ice cream, telling them you're going to get fat, blah, blah, blah. So personal symbols can tell us a lot about someone's history and they might even, they might show feelings on a subconscious level. And subconscious means that it's, it's something your mind is not aware of. It's below consciousness. It's subconscious. And so, of course, therapists love to work with individual symbols, you know, in dream interpretation and so on and so forth, because they can help bring forth the stories of someone's life so that they can ultimately heal and have a better understanding of themselves. The second type of symbols are cultural symbols. These are important to a whole group of people because of a shared collective experience. And it might be that they're used in rituals, um, in religious rites and customs, ceremonies. It could be that cultural symbols are used um, to s in the st stages of life or in the, the stages of the year. A great example would be the Easter egg. You know, that is a cultural symbol from my culture, the egg representing um, new life that's coming into being each spring. Um, but it can also be uh, less formal things like Sunday night football gatherings and the, the symbols that are associated with that for each team. Um, the example of the sunflowers for the Ukraine, that's a great example of a cultural symbol that a whole group of people are using to communicate their solidarity together. Then the third type of symbol is a universal symbol. And ideally, universal symbols are symbols that resonate with anyone of any time period. Uh, that's the idea behind them, right? And they're also called archetypes. And like our word for symbol, archetype comes from ancient Greece. 
a word archetypos, which meant the beginning type, the prototype, the first type of anything. And so the idea is that archetypes are those first primal symbols that we humans created, and they are representative of the human experience, not just my life, not just the life of everyone who lives in my country, anyone of any time period who lived as a human would understand an archetypal symbol. So for example, the sun is an archetypal symbol. You can't live on this planet without knowing and having an understanding of the sun and its rhythm in our lives. Another archetypal symbol might be the water. We can't live without water. It's something we all understand. A third example would be the mother. Everyone on this planet understands the symbol of the mother and what a mother represents. Even if they've, their biological mother was absent in their life, they still understand the mother archetype because someone had to have cared for them as they were an infant and taken on that mother role. We have first writings about archetypal symbols from the ancient Hellenic Jewish philosopher Philo of Alexandria. He wrote several thousand years ago that archetypes are what endures when the soul has been progressively purified of its selfish and egotistical desires and recognizes the unity with the divine. The unity with the divine. Archetypes to Philo were the core essence of the soul when it was stripped from the individual personality and the ego. And when we speak of archetypal symbols today, we're referring not to the personal soul necessarily, but to the collective soul of all humanity. The psychologist Carl Jung really made this idea of archetypes big in the world of psychology and spirituality today. And he defined archetypes as pieces of life itself, images that are intricately connected to the living individual by the bridge of the emotions. So what's he saying with this? He's saying our archetypal symbols show us what it is like to be human. It points to the root of our humanity and what makes us tick. And it also shows us how we're connected to a wide variety of people. Um, because we all, we're going to have different experiences, but then we all understand these basic themes to life, like pain and suffering. Everyone has pain and suffering in different ways. We all have celebrations in different ways. Um, a few more examples of the archetypes are light, dark, hot, cold, a tree, one of my favorite symbols, earth, air, fire, water, food, child. And I just have to add that of the three types of symbols, you know, we have the personal, cultural, universal, I find universal symbols to be the most interesting 
the study because I think they point to these overarching truths of what it is to be human. And I, I believe that we're more alike than our differences. Or as Maya Angelou wrote in her poem that's called Human Family, in minor ways we differ, in major we're the same. And when I create a piece of artwork, one of my many ideals and things that I'm, I'm, I try to do, <laughs> I know sometimes it might fall short of it, but I aspire to do archetypal symbols because then I'm focusing on what unites all of people and I can hopefully bridge the divide that separates groups of people because if I show a, a painting that I've done that's really hit home and it's really an archetypal symbol. Well, I could show it to anyone on the planet and they will understand it. And then there's, they'll see themselves echoed in it. That's my ideal. I know it doesn't always happen, but I'd love to create work that is not just showing about myself, but it's showing other people about themselves because they see themselves reflected in it. One book that you might be interested in looking up if you love symbols and you want to think about just basic human instincts and symbolism is a book that's by Genevieve von Petzinger called The First Signs, Unlocking the Mysteries of the World's Oldest Symbols. In it, she's an archaeologist, and she, and she, she talks about how she went to all these different caves paintings that are found around the world. She climbed deep into the shadows and the mucky mud of them, and she documented every ancient painting pattern she could find. And then she transferred the information into a database to map the time and the place and location of each shape. And what she found was that there were 32 common symbols that were used over and over and over again by early humans during the Ice Age in Africa and Europe. And those shapes included circles, asterisks, triangles, dots, spirals, handprints. And what these symbols represented to those people, well, we don't really know, right? Because this is prehistory, we don't, it's before writing. But we can clearly see that there's a pattern. They each use these symbols over and over, so there must be something meaningful about them. And as Petzinger said in the book, I love this, patterns can often help us find meaning where there seemed to be none. Oh, patterns can often help us find meaning where there seemed to be none. And we can see that throughout human history, people have been using symbols. That's the pattern. And so we know that symbolism, making images, is part of who we are. And it's expressed in the language of symbols. My main message for you today is that there are many different symbols that you know, relate to individuals and different people, and they all change over time, right? All, but all symbols tell us something important about the people who created them. And then the universal symbols can show patterns that cross cultural divides. A question to ask yourself as my end note for you today is, 
what are a few of your favorite individual cultural and universal symbols? Take a look around your house. What symbols have you filled it with? What patterns are there? Because where there's patterns, there's truth. Do you have tons of circles on your magnets on your fridge? <laughs> Do you have many pictures of people embracing, of landscapes? What types of images have you been drawn to and what does that say about you? You can also look at your jewelry. Well, obviously tattoos, if you have tattoos, because you had to do a lot of thought into deciding on those symbols, right? Your clothing, fabric, um, look at the places that you go for religious worship. What symbols are there and why are they used? Why do they resonate so much with you? I've had many students who have been drawn to certain images, and this is this is really why I became interested in symbolism and the study of, of the big question, why? Why do people, why are people drawn to these certain symbols? I'd have students who would paint a mountain over and over and over, all these different renditions of a mountain. I've had, um, and this was in a kid's class, but I had one student who she did hearts on every single project that we did for a full year, not just Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, you know, but, but everyone repeats these images or goes through phases of repeating images. And there's got to be something about each of those that is drawing them in because it's what they need. It's showing what they crave and what they long for. Okay, that's it for today. This concludes the Alchemy of Art podcast. May these thoughts and stories comfort and heal your spirit. May you be filled with inspiration. May you be like the lotus flower and build your home in the muddy water. May you find your voice. <laughs>